Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia. 107.5 The Game on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Wilson, Chris, along with you in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios on this Wednesday morning, halfway through the week. Of course, getting you set for the Gamecocks and the Aggies. Coming up on Saturday out uh, on noon Eastern time, 11 a.m. Central time out there in uh, out there in College Station. We, of course, heard from Coach Beamer yesterday ahead of that game. And uh, first thing we want to hear from him about talking about injuries as this team's in river with injuries, specifically when it comes to the offensive line as well as the wide receiver position, too. Here's what uh, Coach Beamer had to say yesterday. Injury-wise, Juice won't play. I'd say Amari and Brown is doubtful. And then literally every single other person that you're going to ask me about is questionable. They were all out there today. They all were not full speed necessarily. They were all limited in their own way. Uh, but hopefully as we go throughout the week, they'll get closer and closer to being um, close to 100% and able to play one game day. I don't want to speak for Juice. I think if you uh, if you ask Juice, I think he would tell you he would like to come back and play at some point this season. Uh, he's a competitor. He wants to be out there. He's in every meeting. He's engaged. He's talking. Uh, he's working like crazy to be able to get back. Uh, yeah, I was talking with Mo Caba this morning. He and I were texting back and forth about something, and then obviously saw him in our meeting. Um, you know, to, He's in good spirits, and, you know, we'll see what the future holds for him as well. You know, hate it for him that he's not playing right now, along with all of our injured guys. You know, um, they all love football and love love to play, and it's tough not getting to see, not being able to. So my heart breaks uh, for them. So obviously a lot of guys dealing with injuries kind of focus on on the, the key ones there. Um, obviously talked about the offensive line and just a litany of guys hurt there, and all them listed as questionably said, obviously they're, most of them are practicing, um, uh, not quite a hundred percent just yet. And that could mean literally anything heading into this weekend. Um, and, uh, again, that's going to be very important, especially when we're talking about a great defensive front that the Aggies are bringing to the table. Yeah. So the quote there, literally every single other person that you're going to ask me about is questionable. So if we want to decipher that the, every single other person he would have been asked about, you could kind of say would be Xavier Leggett, Rashawn Lee, Tree Babalade, Troball, and Case and Henry. Those were the guys that he originally talked about on the Sunday teleconference as well in terms of injuries. So, I mean, the, the two positions there, you add in Juice Wells, who won't play, Marion Brown, Marion Brown, who is doubtful. The two positions that have just been hit so heavily for South Carolina continues to be O-line, of course, and then wide receiver as well. Wide receiver hasn't quite been to the quantity as on the O-line, but certainly when you're talking about missing 
your top receiver coming into the year for pretty much the entire year and now potentially losing out the guy who replaced him as your top receiver. And guess what? Uh, just for good measure, your slot receiver, who's been really pretty solid for most of the year and can make people miss, he's doubtful as well. So those two positions continue to get hit very, very hard. A lot of times, a lot of times when you talk about compounding, it's a good thing, like in investing and money. But I think I mentioned yesterday, you know, th- this is all compounded on each other like in a negative way offensively because there's just so many different problems, you know. Like you came into the year saying, okay, you feel great about quarterback. You feel good about your – like remember at the beginning of the season it was, all right, you've got Juice Wells back. And can Xavier Leggett take the next step and can Marion Brown take the next step? Well, you haven't had Juice most of the year. Xavier Leggett definitely <laughs> took the next step and then some. And then we don't know on A.B. Like, he's shown the flashes, but he hasn't generally been out there enough. He missed some game. He missed plenty of game time, right? The offensive line was a question. The running game was a question. And you've had so many injuries on the O-line that you haven't even been able to see at any point maybe what the um, the maximized potential of that group would be. Not that it would have been juggernaut. Not that it would have been... You know, there's no pass protection issues. There's no run game issues. There would have been that regardless because of where they are from a personnel standpoint, but certainly not this poor. And the injuries have really kind of exacerbated that. So you take the run game, the protection issues, the O-line, the injuries, the receiver questions, all of that is kind of compounded to, to the product that we've seen. Well, and I think we felt pretty decent about what we were seeing out of the offensive line against Florida the other weekend and of course you couldn't even get through that game without having another injury and of course Rashawn Lee goes down and questionable if he's going to be able to come back this weekend so that was like the one glimpse this season like okay things are finally going well they have we're pretty drastic with how they move guys around we just don't know if we're going to be able to see that combination again yeah I think the thing about that too is they seem to feel good enough about it to just settle in on it like I, I think that's a group that would have potentially kind of finally gotten a chance to just gel together and and I think they were going to stick to that five as much as they possibly could and then you lose Lee and now you're talking about the possibility of being without Babalade and without Trowball as as well and that's your two freshmen who you know they've had their growing pains every freshman playing on the offensive line would but uh, I think everybody over there just kind of decided look we're going to be okay with them having their growing pains if they can just kind of progress as the season goes along and so now, you know, we, we we have a pretty good idea of what the backups, like what the situation could look like if those guys aren't play, but aren't able to play because we saw it towards the end of Missouri. However, it's just not – I mean, it's not ideal. Like, that that's the end of the story. It's not ideal. And now you're going up against an A&M front that has been probably easily one of the best in the country at just creating havoc, whether that is tackles for loss, sacks, negative plays – I think you can sum it up by just saying they, they create havoc, and that's something South Carolina has allowed a lot of this year. Yeah, actually, they're tied. They were second in the nation in sacks, and they're tied for second in the nation in tackles for losses as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a long day. And, uh, you know, kind of comparing uh, this offensive line that South Carolina has, some of the other ones that AM has faced this season, South Carolina's ranked, in terms of sacks given up, 12th in the SEC in total sacks allowed. Around them are Auburn, Arkansas, and Alabama three teams that, are, that A&M's already faced. In those three games, they generated 20 sacks between those three opponents. So almost seven a game, which, again, is pretty in line with what we've seen out of South Carolina, especially out of these past couple weeks. So uh, it could be a very long day on Saturday in College Station. Do, do you 
Y'all bear with me. Do, do you even try to block these guys? <laughs> what do you mean? See, exactly. I, <laughs> no, I, I'm saying I, I know you can't completely scrap your drop back passing game, but yeah. it, is it just, even... Just throw screens every play? Yeah, I mean, like seriously, do you do you just go short passing game, um, move the pocket every play? Like, do, do you just literally say... We're we're not going to drop back and get Spencer well, hit. And I think Beamer mentioned he talked about that a little bit in his press conference and kind of said, "Hey, you can't, you know, eliminate all your drops. You can't obviously drop back every single time." Now, now in this game, Wes, you make a great point. If you're leaning one direction or another, there, the offensive staff, I can promise you, isn't sitting in that room saying, "All right, we're we're going to probably go seventy five percent, like drop back. Let's go." You know, deep throws, like, that that can't be your game plan. But we also saw, like, what was the worst game this year in terms of sacks? It was North Carolina, right, with nine. A lot of quick throws in that game, right? A lot of throws are Spencer Rattler's getting the ball out quickly. And what was one of the big problems? It was they were getting the ball out quickly and not making guys miss. So they were using the pass game as an extension of the run in some cases, but they weren't making guys miss. And then to the extent that they were trying to, you know, have some some plays that were a little bit more slower developing they weren't able to protect yeah i just you're right though i don't i don't know how <laughs> like if it if it's you know and i, I would say this if there's, there's no right answer there's no there's no good answer sure. because if, if you were going into this game this is the type of game if you were going in and you felt like your defense had been playing very, very well. Right. This is a game you go in and you just do the thing no <laughs> fan loves, no coach even probably loves, and you just say, hey, if it's third and nine, we're going to run the football and punt. Like, we're just not going to put our guys in a position to get hit more than they have to and to have negative plays more than they have to. Well, you're going to, you, you're kind of sitting there saying you can't really take that game plan unless. For some reason, the defense just goes in there and, and makes some huge out of nowhere step forward. And, you know, I, I guess A&M hasn't been great offensively this year, but they've been playing some really stout teams, too. And they've been in tight ball games with some other really talented football teams as well. It, it is worth noting. And I talked to y'all, your guy, uh, David uh, Sandhop from Texags in the last hour, Walter Nolan, who is their defensive lineman, who is second on team in sacks with uh, four overall this season, uh, may not be available to go. He did have a lower body injury, got carted off against Tennessee a couple weeks ago, but they are so deep. Yeah, Everyone they on that have, defense, I don't think that's going to make that big of a difference. Yeah, they only have like seven five-stars up front now. Right. And their linebackers are so good now. Yeah. I mean, the, the, those guys, it, it's just, it's a mer- A&M is actually, I mean, and, and it hasn't shown through as much because of the record, right? They have been underwhelming, but every single year when they trot out their defensive line. Like, I remember uh, one of the games in Columbia a few years ago, not last year, I think it was the one before, um, their defensive line ran on the field, and I literally started laughing because they all looked like they were like... That the 44-14? Yeah, yeah, that one. South Carolina just couldn't do anything. And it, it was like Bobby Brown, like all these guys, I mean... Yeah, NFL guys, just the body types. I mean, they all look like they were rolled off of a defensive line factory. They got some dudes for sure. Yeah, they they've been in lots of tight ball games, mm-hmm. which you look at it and say, hey, you know, they're not really blowing anybody out. But then you look at a tight ball game at Tennessee. I mean, I think we're learning like Tennessee, especially defensively, pretty good unit. Um, 
Alabama, obviously, 26-20. They had their chances to win that game. Beat Arkansas by 12. Beat Auburn by 17. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. Football, game of matchups. When you just look at kind of the, the matchup situation here for South Carolina, it, at least on paper, it, it's hard to find a matchup that you really like. I, I was listening to Texags Radio which I always try to kind of listen in to the podcast and stuff like that from South Carolina's opponent, see what they're talking about. And they did say this has been an A&M secondary that has given up some, some big plays this year, given up some yards this year. But that goes right back to can you, A, protect Spencer Rattler and give him time to do that, and, B, do you have Leggett available or not this week in order to have a guy out there who you worry about from a matchup standpoint? Yeah, and especially when you talk about making some of those shots deep, which, again, South Carolina's had several of those this season. You wonder who could step up into that role. We'll hear from Coach Beamer uh, again coming up here in just a moment about somebody that could potentially take that role as the top receiver if Xavier Leggett is not able to go this weekend. But quickly, as always, want to thank our friends over at Firehouse Subs for being such a great supporter of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Yeah, we love our friends at Firehouse, and we love Firehouse Subs. Firehousesubs.com, Firehouse Subs app, by far the best way, the easiest way to order your Firehouse Subs lunch. Hit that rapid rescue and try the new King's Hawaiian Pork and Slaw Sandwich. It is slow-smoked pulled pork melted pepper jack, sweet and tangy slaw with sweet mustard sauce and mayo, all on a toasted King's Hawaiian bun. Try it today with a tropical cherry limeade. Guess what? They also offer catering. So there's a bunch of South Carolina home games coming up if you want to go check those out and don't want to worry about cooking. Just go to firehousesubs.com, hit the Take Me to Catering button there, and the best part about all this, every single time you order on firehousesubs.com or on the app, you're going to gather points, and you can turn those points in for free Sandwiches like the pork and slaw sandwich with the King's Hawaiian bun. Check them out right now today. Order lunch from FirehouseSubs.com and with the Firehouse Subs app. Xavier Leggett is not able to go this weekend, or if he's limited, who could step up as that top receiver? It's coming up here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on the game. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, Wes, and Chris. Along with you, reacting to what we heard from Coach Beamer yesterday in his usual Tuesday press conference, sponsored always by Pete Elwine Pools and Spas. He talked about injuries uh, a moment ago, and, and specifically kind of focusing here on the wide receiver group. We have seen you know, Juice Wells uh, is still out, and I mean, assuming going to be out for the season, unless we hear otherwise. Xavier Leggett still banged up, questionable, uh, like most of those guys were. Uh, from what Coach Beamer said there. So even if he does play this weekend, could be in a very limited role. So who can step up and be that leading wide receiver this weekend, especially with Amirian Brown likely not being able to play too? It really just kind of comes back to Omega Blake, I guess. And here is what Coach Beamer said about Blake yesterday. Coach Beamer's being very shy today. Yeah, we'll get that things. in a moment for you. Beamer um, doesn't want to speak right now. That's okay. Uh, even if, if we can't get to that, regardless, Omega Blake. We'll just Blake, tell you what he said. Yeah, <laughs> essentially so. Uh, Xavier Liette, obviously the leading receiver. Omega Blake tied with Miriam Brown for the second most receptions this season, but he's still a young guy. Didn't play a whole lot last year. Coming along this year, obviously had a big game against Georgia, leading the team with the receptions and yards in that game. But do you trust him to take on that number one role if he has to this weekend? I mean... <laughs> I think, how, how do you answer that? You, you don't have a choice. Like, you're you're going to roll out, um, you know, and I, I don't think it's a guarantee Omega Blake's going to get the most catches. Like, I, I don't know if there's a guy right now you're just feeding the ball to. Like, I think with Leggett, 
you're going in. He's your guy, and you're saying, I want to get the ball to him, give him X number of chances per game. Well, I, I think right now you're kind of looking at rolling out your, your next three guys and just kind of letting the plays dictate who gets the football. That's Omega Blake on one side. That's Nick Harbour on the other. That's kind of your two guys on the outside at this point. And then inside, you actually have a lot of options. We've seen Eddie Lewis play in the slot, which, you know, A.B. has primarily been a slot guy. He actually played outside a little bit after those injuries uh, against Missouri. But he's primarily kind of your, your slot guy. You have Eddie Lewis as an option. You have Tyshawn Russell as an option. And you have Luke Doty as an option. So those are the three guys that you're going to see inside at that slot spot. And then, you know, I, I think Harbor and Omega Blake, primarily the guys you'll see outside. Tyshawn Russell's played inside and outside. And, you know, that that's kind of your rotation right there. And at this point, yeah, you're you're hoping one of those guys, when the ball is in the air, is going to find a way, well, first to get open and then go make some plays when the ball is in the air. Yeah, I mean, from, from what I hear, um, Leggett is pretty banged up, right? And so... To call him questionable is accurate, right? I don't think there's any, like, oh, we know he's going to play or we know he's not going to play, and we're just we're just saying this. Um, you know, obviously he's sitting out of practice, or at least did earlier this week. We'll see where things go. We'll, we'll, try, we'll try to update this here on the program, like, before the game. If I had to guess right here at 11.21 a.m. on Wednesday – I think he probably gives it a go in place. That's my guess. That's my read. Um, but we'll see. I actually think that if Leggett can't go, though, or, or maybe even if he can, I actually think the guy that Spencer Rattler is going to look to more in this game is Nick Harbour. I think he's – Nick has obviously made some strides, and it's interesting that for a guy that has been still developing his skill set as a wide receiver – namely, like, improving his hands, right? That's been a big thing. He has, what, four catches this year. Mm -hmm. They've all been very impressive. There haven't been anything easy there in terms of the type of catch. A couple of them, he went up and got 50-50 balls on guys. And so I think the, like, rapport and the confidence level that Spencer Rattler has um, has grown also in Nick Harbour. And Nick Harbour gives you the opportunity to make those plays down the field. Now, again, if the protection is going to have to allow you to buy the time for those guys to get down the field. But looking at Omega Blake and, and this past weekend, we talked about the other day, the ball that he literally let go through his hands. That was a play down the field that ended up leading to the interception. Like he just has not been, a, he hasn't pulled in any of those catches for passes more than 20 yards down the field. Nick Harbour, of course, going back to his athleticism, gives you that, that better opportunity if it comes to that. And again, got to hope protection is there to allow those guys to run a little bit free. So kind of a combination and maybe like Wes said, maybe not necessarily one guy stepping up and being wide receiver number one, but being more of a sum of the whole parts and using this guy for this and this guy for that to kind of piece it together at the wide receiver spot at least. Yeah, you, you certainly hope Leggett can play. I'll, I'll be equally as interested to see who gets the start in the slot if uh, if AB indeed cannot play. Beamer says doubtful. That tends to lead you to believe he will not play. So, you know, is it Eddie Lou? Is it Luke Doty? Does Tyshawn Russell get his first career start? I will be very curious to see who takes on that role. You know, I, I think for Tyshawn Russell, as a young player, we're kind of going to learn pretty quickly here. Has he been able to flush what is a, a play that every, everybody who's played a sport of any time, of any type ever, has made a mistake, you know, dropped a pass? 
it's the guys that kind of can just shake that and and move along and keep doing what they're doing and and not have it shake their confidence that um you know are going to be in the best position so is he able has he been able to shake that in practice this week you could see him potentially start we we haven't seen as much eddie lewis as the year has progressed as i thought we might yeah Luke Doty's reps have actually diminished a bit the last couple of weeks as well. So I'll I'll be very interested to see who takes over that role. The Eddie Lewis thing has actually been, I think, a, a low-key significant storyline. Because remember coming into this year, you know, you bring in a guy. Um, he played at Rutgers, played Juco ball, played at Memphis, and had a pretty solid career, right? And so when he came in, you're going, all right, you lose Josh Van. Like, last season, you almost had, like, five starters at wide receiver. Yeah, you had five guys that you felt pretty good about. And so you lost uh, Josh Van, you lost Jalen Brooks. And so Van being a very reliable punt returner and being a guy who could start or, if not start, play a good bit for you as a versatile guy. Felt that way about Eddie Lewis, right? He had experience, had some proven experience could play the slot, could play outside, could be your punt returner. And with A.B. out, he has uh, obviously done some of those punt returning duties. But the the lack of snaps and impact at receiver, frankly, has been kind of surprising to me based on what we thought coming in. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought coming in when they landed him that he would be competing for a, a starting spot. Now, you didn't know if he was going to win it, but I, I thought he'd be in a position to push A.B., and potentially even push Leggett because if you remember, the Leggett we're seeing right now is not necessarily the Leggett that you knew you were going to see if you rewind back. Um, I guess it would have been like 10, 11 months ago at this point. But so that that, that has been interesting. He also, I, I think at times, has appeared to lack a little bit of confidence in the punt return game in terms of just going up into a crowd and and catching a punt we saw that hurt South Carolina as well letting a punt hit um you know that's hurt them a couple of times I feel like in the punt return game this year letting a punt hit and then it rolls and really you seem to run up in there and, and fair catch it so yeah that that is curious to me the other thing that's been curious about it is when he has been out there and when the ball has been thrown to him he has made some plays for you so uh, clearly though there's something there that we're kind of not privy to, I feel like, in practice that is keeping him from having as many reps as one maybe would think that he would. Like you said, he should get his opportunity to uh, see some more action this weekend coming up against uh, A&M. Again, that kickoff at noon on Saturday. Pre-game coverage starting here on the game with Gamecocks Game Day. Myself and Terry Ford early morning, 7 a.m. Uh, right here on the game. Leading up to network coverage at 9 a.m. One of the big things that's been talked about really these past couple of weeks for South Carolina is some of the decisions that have gone into some of their fourth down plays. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a longer cut. We're going to hear from Coach Beamer coming up on uh, some of those fourth down decisions, uh, especially this past weekend against Missouri. You'll hear that next. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Wednesday. We'll get back into more of the Beamer cuts here in just a second. I want to remind you once again about the uh, Lawyer Lisa Special Teams Touchdown Contest has rolled over to yet another week. $800 up for grabs this weekend against A&M out in College Station. If the Gamecocks do get that special teams touchdown, 
You could be the winner come Monday morning when Bill and Preston announce a winner live on the air on the early game. Just head on over to 1075thegame.com and register for Saturday for your chance to win the Lawyer Lisa Special Team Touchdown Contest. If it doesn't happen this weekend, rolls over to $900 next weekend against the other Gamecocks of Jacksonville State when they come into Williams-Brice Stadium. Again, uh, back to Beamer. This is going to be a little bit of a longer cut, about a little over three minutes here, but wanted to get to this one. Uh, talking about uh, Coach Beamer yesterday, the thought process on some of the fourth downs this past weekend against Missouri. Kind of your thought process when you're in those spots? Yeah, um, I think it's a little bit of all of that. Um, how you're playing offensively, how you're playing defensively, how you're playing special teams. You know, I've told you guys before, you know, I've watched literally every play of offense, defense, and special teams going into a game that our opponent does. So I have an idea of what the other team's offense is and defense and special teams, and that helps me with the decision-making, and I'm far from perfect from that standpoint. But, uh, you know, there's some coaches that, you know, they, they're – 100% analytics driven and they're going to go, they're going to go by the book and if the book says if you hit the 30 yard line it's fourth and five or less go for it I don't that's you know we rely on analytics to a certain degree but not as far as making every decision in the game I don't do that uh, it's more of a feel and and each situation is is uh is different um you know, I know I've been criticized for kicking the field goal inside the five yard line the other day and to me that was one where um, I felt like we had three pretty good calls on first down that we uh, first down, second down, third down that um, we didn't do a great job of executing mentally. And it's, in my mind, it was like we've had three plays to get this thing in. We've had three pretty good play calls and we didn't execute them properly. Not that I don't have confidence in our guys on fourth down to get it done, but also let's let's get points and keep it a two-score game. You know, that was the thinking on that one. The the fourth down, I think I told you guys in the post-game press conference, uh, the first fourth down of the game where we missed the field goal. Initially, I was going to punt. Initially, we're in field goal range, so it was, hey, we're in field goal range, let's be smart with the ball here, and it's an automatic three, and then we took the sack. So then at that point, my, initially I was going to punt, and then, uh, you know, let the play clock run down and call timeout because the wind was swirling and wanted to see what the wind was going to do because certainly we were in Mitch's range at that point and felt like we could get three points there. Uh, probably the start of the timeout was going to punt. We had the punt team and field goal both up. The wind kind of flipped a little bit. We had it at the back and, and kicked the field goal there and missed. But uh, the fourth downs that I've gone for, you know, I can remember – Two years ago against Kentucky at home, we went to, for two fourth downs that we didn't get in plus territory instead of kicking field goals, and then we lose by six, and it's easy for everybody to say, well, dang it, if he had kicked those two field goals, we would have gone to overtime. But that was a situation I just felt like um, in the game at that time, we needed we had an opportunity to get it. So it goes back to how you're playing. It goes back to the play calls that we know that I know we're going to call on fourth down going forward on some fourth downs against Tennessee last year, you know, knowing it's going to be a high scoring game. So I think every game is, is different, but a lot of those things that we, we discussed me, Dow, Clayton, Pete before the game, also at the hotel, kind of how we're going to coach this game. And, and um, you know, this week, for example, you know, I mean, these guys, when we kick a field goal, it's better hold on for dear life. Cause they've, this defensive line I'm talking about, they do a hell of a job blocking field goals too, you know? So, or do you want to punt and punt the ball down there to number zero all those times as well? So I know that's like a whole different press conference, whole different thing that I just gave you for one answer, but it's uh it's a lot that goes into it.
Sorry, I should have just said I go by analytics and I go by what the book tells me and then we move on. And y'all could have gotten like six more questions then by now. Sorry. Again, a long cut there from Shane, but, but good insight into what the thought process was. And going back to the game against Missouri this past weekend, down 27-9 to on the three-yard line, fourth and goal. And look, I, I'm, I was team, you got nothing to lose at this point, go for it, you know, see what happens. But I, I understand from the standpoint of what they're looking at. And again, your offense was having so many so much trouble protecting Spencer Rattler and getting pushed when it came to running the ball. Getting three yards is going to be a tough ass. So at least at that point in time, kick the field goal, make it a 15-point game, and theoretically hope you can get in the end zone at a later point, which they, of course, didn't. But, uh, again, good insight there from Shane on his thought process. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, don't apologize, Coach. I actually enjoyed the thorough insight there from him, exactly what he was thinking. And I thought going forward on all those fourth downs against Kentucky two years ago was absolutely the right call. I think almost any time you go for it on fourth down um, compared to the traditional sort of ah, I can't go for it on fourth down thought process, um, what teams are mostly doing now I think is a good bit better than that because you can go into that third down call sort of knowing, all right, I've got two downs here instead of one. So it can completely change your thinking there. I, I think the problem really with, with all these fourth downs where they kicked is kind of out of Beamer's hands, and that was that first one was a fourth and 21, the next one was a fourth and 10, the next one was a fourth and eight, then you had a fourth and 10 again. So you kind of are, are in bad spots. The, o- the only one, and again, I'm just kind of making the argument here. Like I, If you look at the analytics even, I know Will Helms plugged this into uh, an analytics machine, whatever that is, and he said it was basically a toss-up because your percentage of winning the game at that point was pretty low anyway. It was a toss-up on whether you kick it or go for it there. My one thing I would push back with that thinking would be, and this is kind of an after-the-fact thing, is, okay, I get, all right, you had three good calls and you didn't score, right? Well, um, you're going to, now you're putting yourself in a position where that same offense is going to have to go score more later on anyway. Drive the field. So if that offense is not, if you don't feel comfortable with that offense saying, ah, we got to score here, but it doesn't look good, but you think that offense is going to turn around and now score, make up 15 points, and guess what that also would involve? Two-point conversion. Which would be lined up where? The two-yard line. So (laughs) almost the exact same spot you're sitting on. You have one play to get a two-point conversion. Yeah, yeah, you're sitting on right there. So. It, it would kind of be the same thing. The only thing I dislike also when coaches cut it to 15 or 14 or something like that is you're telling your defense now you have to stop them completely. If you cut it to a two-score game, but it's now 11 or 12 by scoring touchdowns instead of field goals in that situation, you're saying I need one true stop and I need one forced field goal from my defense for a defense that has proved they can force field goals from time to time, but has not forced very many true punts. Right. So I get both sides of it, but those are the reasons why I would lean towards just going for it and saying, I'm going to make my stand right here. Well, and I don't know what y'all think about this one, but South Carolina's next opponent is A&M. Jimbo Fisher got hammered for the decision to punt it when they were at midfield against Alabama and even when you like the part of his explanation that people latched onto was he said well 
it was fourth and one, if it was inside a yard, I probably would have gone for it. People are like, what's the difference between less than a yard and a yard? And there obviously mm-hmm. is some difference, you know. Um, but he actually gave a little bit more context to, to where if you read it, you could say, okay, I get it, right? Because he mentioned at the time it was 17-17, so your defense is playing pretty well. The punter kicked it a little bit long, so Alabama got it at the 20, right, instead of at the 50 if you don't get it. So Jimbo said, hey, let's we're playing well defensively. Let's mm-hmm. punt it. Let's pin them back. Let's go play more defense. They had also gotten stopped on a couple of third and ones earlier. So if you look at it and that, you say, okay, I get it given the game flow. Now, should he in hindsight have gone for it? Maybe. But you can at least see the logic behind it. Yeah, and, and real quick, I – in no way I'm saying it was even the wrong call to kick it. Yeah. I'm just kind of talking through what I think are, are both sides of that conversation. Uh, the other interesting decision in that game was to make Missouri repunt it after uh, taking over at about the 30, I think. And then you're probably thinking, oh, maybe we'll get one of those big plays we've been known for from special teams. They repunt, but it ends up costing you. 10 or 11 yards as opposed to um, helping you as far as field position goes. Next opportunity for the Gamecocks on the road at College Station this upcoming weekend. Noon games. That means you have the full day to enjoy football after the Gamecocks and the Aggies wrap up. And if you want the ultimate viewing experience, you need to give our friends at Integrated Media a call. Yes, call Integrated Media today. Also, you can go to integratedmediainc.com. The great thing about Integrated Media is that no matter what it is you want to do at your home involving audio or visual, they can help you with it. Uh, give them a call today, 803-948-8327. They've been to Chris Clark's house. They've been to my house. For me, it was running Ethernet cable throughout the home so that I had uh, a good, clear connection in my office. We also, at the same time, went ahead and did the whole home Wi-Fi so that we got a great signal throughout the house. But for you that could be something as simple as hanging a TV. That could be going all in on a home theater system. And that could be anything in between that. Maybe you want to add that external speaker to the outside when you're hanging out around the fire, or hanging out around the grill. Whatever your imagination can dream up for the audio or the visual side at your home, Integrated Media can help you bring it to reality. IntegratedMediaInc.com, 803-948-8327. Touched a lot about Spencer Rattler and his leadership on this team. Coach Beamer spoke about that yesterday as well. Hear that coming up. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyra West and Chris along with you. Don't forget coming up tomorrow night, Carolina calls 6 o'clock right here on the game. Last chance to hear from Coach Beamer ahead of Saturday's game against Texas A&M. We heard from him yesterday as well, talking about a number of things. And uh, we've talked about in the past couple days the need for leadership on this team on what's, I mean, easily the lowest point of the Beamer era so far, two and a half years in. And Spencer Rattler obviously being one of the best players on the team in general, but has emerged as that leader to no surprise of anybody. Here is what Coach Beamer said about uh uh, Spencer's attitude and his leadership uh, so far this season couldn't be better. I mean, he's amazing. He really is. Um, he um, he got the crap beat out of him on Saturday. Never complained. Never once came over there. Was continuing to lift up his teammates. Was continuing to try and pick up the freshmen. Was in there battling to the very end. 
I feel for him because I talk about these seniors that come back. Same thing with him. I mean, he came back and he's playing his butt off right now. He didn't expect to be two and five. He didn't expect to, you know, have some of the injuries that we've had on the offensive line. But his his energy at practice, his demeanor within the team goes back to Mike's question about leadership. Be, be like leadership. Be like Spencer and how he is handling his teammates, and then just his unselfishness. Like he he um, I got on the plane Saturday before he did, and I was sitting on the aisle. Uh, not feeling good about myself or anything, waiting on everybody else to board. And he came by me and stopped and put his hand on my shoulder and apologized to me that they weren't able to get it done on Saturday. And I'm like, bro, like, I should be apologizing to you. I mean, you're the one that just got beat up out there, and we didn't, I didn't coach well enough for you. But that's just – it's not fake. That's how he is, and that's the way he always has been. And couldn't be prouder of him. There's not another quarterback in the country I'd rather have than him leading this team. And he's got a, a great future in these next five games. There's still some great moments coming for him as a quarterback, and then he's got a great future as a quarterback – after he leaves here at Carolina as well. And look, Spencer Rattler, as we've talked about, has played himself back into a lot of scout sizes being a potential mid-round pick, you know, maybe second or third round, somewhere as high as there in the upcoming NFL draft. He's proven a lot this season, um, but he's still, and you guys interact with him a lot more than um, uh, most of us do. Like, he's still just got that right mindset, got that right energy about him to look at these final five games, say, hey, we can go out there and we can win a couple more and get ourselves to a bowl before the end of the season. Yeah, he's a professional, and uh, I think that's been apparent from the moment we did start interacting with, with Spencer Rattler, and I think he carries himself like an NFL quarterback, and that is that I'm, I'm going to be a professional. I'm going to be on time, whether it's, you know, stuff like team meetings where you, you have to be on time for or NIL appearances, you know, being there 10 minutes early, knowing, uh, you know, that that's going to save you a headache, that you're not getting there late or at the last minute just uh, across the board complete professional it's been very impressive to see him grow into that leadership role I, I think even the decision which seems to be a deliberate decision coming in last year to kind of put his head down and go to work when he first arrived and not be like oh I'm the five star I'm here to start I'm here to be your quarterback and then the gradual shift from that to I'm the leader of not only this offense, but in a lot of ways of this program. And, you know, we mentioned it earlier this week. We mentioned the the clip from Jim Nagy, but also when Tyshawn Russell drops that ball, Rattler is the first guy to make a beeline for him and tap him on the helmet and seemingly show him some signs of encouragement or, or give him a couple words of encouragement. So all that has been very, very impressive. And, you know, I, I promise you, as much as NFL teams sort of break guys down and look into each and every little thing that they do, they're going to be very impressed with Rattler's emerging leadership skills during his time at South Carolina. Yeah, it's it's been awesome. I think I mentioned yesterday, you can see the growth even from last year. But I remember what's the first time you and I talked to Spencer, right? We, we were able to do, the I think, the first interview, uh, the Garnet Trust interview, um, where – he had not talked to anybody um, since he committed to South Carolina and uh, as a transfer. And so we talked to him, and we walked away from that going, man, that guy's pretty impressive, you know, because all we had to go on that point was what you hear out of Oklahoma, what you see on TV from the time at Oklahoma. We went, this guy's pretty sharp. And even from then until now, um, I think you, you see the difference. And 
it would not be a big surprise if you were sitting here going, man, Spencer kind of looks frustrated. You know, you would get that. Like K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas probably should be frustrated, <laughs> and he looks like it, you know? Definitely so. Caleb Williams. But Spencer having the toughest circumstances of any of those guys, the, the way he's conducted himself has been awesome, I think. Also want to add, it was kind of, I, I know press conferences are press conferences, but it's very different going through where South Carolina is right now, being two and five and dealing with all the scrutiny, being on a team and inside a program versus all of us talking about it from outside the program. And I thought, again, it is just a press conference, but the way Shane Beamer went in there yesterday and he had his normal, usual, um, you know, positive attitude, very matter-of-fact. There was no hint of, hey, this season's over. There was no hint of, um, you know, there's nothing worth playing for left. Like, some, and I, I know you, you may sit there and say, well, of course the coach is going to do that. But you can tell, you sure. can see the look on a coach's face when they are defeated. And I, I know Beamer wears his emotions on his sleeve, um, you know, for better or worse after games. But to me... That guy yesterday stepping in there looked like a leader and looked like someone who is not going to let this team just give up on this season. We've got a, a, a verdict column going up a little bit later on by Chris Paschal, and he points out the importance for the future of your program of continuing to play and not letting this season completely go into the hole. Absolutely. And, of course, we'll hear from coordinators coming up later today. Uh, as Wednesday rolls on, we'll react to that coming up tomorrow as we get closer and closer to the Gamecocks and the Aggies coming up Saturday at noon, which you can listen to right here on the game. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with myself and Terry Ford coming up right here on the game. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.